Welcome to Getting Intimate with Dr. Pragati Singh. This podcast was created as a part of Podcast Lab by India Film Project in association with Anchor by Spotify. And this is Season 1, Episode 3. Had unprotected sex? What's next? You ever been in that situation where in a moment of passion or due to some error you ended up having sex that you're not 100% sure was protected ever been hit by that kind of anxiety lucky for you if it hasn't happened so far but if you're sexually active you need to know some basics it's always better to be informed in advance and so today we're going to discuss what you need to know if and when such a situation arises first of all unprotected sex between any genders carries with it some risk of spread of stis sure it might be impossible to get pregnant in certain situations but this risk of sti transmission still means you need to be aware and educated further between a male and a female body peno vaginal sex also carries with it the risk of unwanted pregnancy in addition to the risk of sti transmission so gear up for today's episode let's start with the most basic yet little understood fact not all unprotected sexual intercourse leads to pregnancy so yes you may take a deep breath but there's also no way of knowing if you might or might not conceive making it important to take precaution each and every time and so i hope it's understandable that living with this kind of anxiety about this uncertainty for weeks at a time is not healthy and simply not worth suffering for despite being otherwise careful this situation may arise for a number of reasons as a consequence of human error in a moment of passion due to contraceptive failure due to incorrect use of contraceptive methods and also because of the unfortunate reality of sexual assault know that even if you end up having unprotected sex you do have options there are multiple solutions to your problem depending on how far in you are you might go for two broad kinds of options first emergency contraception using methods such as 72 hour pills or iud's and second medical termination of pregnancy which is often in common parlance called abortion and can use medications or surgical procedures let's talk about emergency contraception first name suggests emergency contraception is a method of contraception to be utilized in emergency cases in order to help prevent unwanted pregnancy after having had unprotected sex now there are two methods of emergency contraception that you need to know about one is the emergency contraceptive pills or ecps and two is emergency iud insertions IUD standing for intrauterine devices. So intrauterine devices are small little T-shaped devices that are inserted into the uterus 
and they work by interfering with the normal process of conception. This device will need to be implanted within 5 days of having had unprotected sex. For this, you will have to take some time out of your daily schedule, visit a health facility, consult a doctor, etc. And so it's not very surprising that this method is not very popular. On the other hand, the emergency contraceptive pill is easy to use. It is a hormonal pill taken orally. It is also commonly known as the 72-hour pill, morning after pill, etc. In India, one particular brand became most popular, the iPill. You've probably heard of it somewhere. ECP is an easier and more convenient method than IUDs and thus more popular. We'll talk mostly about this method during this episode. start with the most important question that I often get asked. Can I just take ECPs after intercourse each time and use it as an alternative for regular contraception? Short answer, no. ECPs contain hormones just like oral contraceptive pills but in higher doses. Depending on which phase of the menstrual cycle you are in, they work by interfering with ovulation, fertilization and implantation. It is for good reason that they are not at all recommended for regular use or as an alternative to ongoing contraceptive methods. First, there is a higher possibility of failure compared to other contraceptive methods and two, in addition to that, frequent use of emergency contraceptive pills can result in side effects such as menstrual irregularities. The repeated use poses no health risks as such, but is simply less effective than a regular method in preventing pregnancy in the long run. If you find yourself using ECPs repeatedly, you should seriously consider an ongoing method instead. If needed, seek additional family planning counselling in order to select the most appropriate continuous method for you. A doctor can help you make this decision the best. In terms of effectiveness, when taken correctly, ECPs are fairly effective. Depending on a number of factors, they can be up to or more than 90% successful in preventing pregnancies. But remember that ECPs cannot be used to disrupt an existing pregnancy. The second question that I want you to know about is how to procure emergency contraceptive pills. Now in India, iPill is a commonly available brand of ECPs and it has become almost like a second name for the same. It can be easily obtained from pharmacies, health and wellness stores, clinics and even on online drugstores for home delivery. A prescription or a consultation with a doctor is not necessary for purchasing or consuming an emergency contraceptive pill. However, the fact that you had to use an ECP might be an indication for you to seek counselling support to get on an ongoing continuous method. Additionally, a doctor's consultation will also help you understand the correct way to use them, 
the side effects that you can anticipate and also clear out any myths or misconceptions that you might have. Unfortunately, despite clear legal guidelines to sell these over the counter to any consumer, sometimes women in India will face challenges in obtaining ECPs. This shouldn't be the case, but sadly, for various socio-cultural reasons, many medical shops hesitate. It's a long-standing problem. It's like how on social media, some accounts face what is called a shadow ban. It seems like emergency contraceptives are treated the same way. Of course, many pharmacies might simply not have the supply, but even the ones that do make it very difficult to get access to them sometimes. An interesting case study in this situation is Tamil Nadu. More about that some other time perhaps. Now the third question you must be wondering about is how to correctly consume them. An ECP is consumed simply by swallowing it with some water. The most important thing to know about this consumption is that this needs to be done as soon as possible after having had unprotected sex and definitely within 72 hours. This is the period within which the pill will be able to work most effectively to prevent pregnancy. Sure, technically you can pop the pill even afterwards. Honestly, you could also take it within that week. But know that the efficacy declines so rapidly with the time elapsed that that will again leave you worried and unsure. If you end up dealing, you will need to be ready for ECP failure. Bottom line is that the sooner they are taken, the better it is. Immediately after having had unprotected sex being the best time and in some cases, immediately before too. The fourth question, are there any side effects? What if something goes wrong? Well, honestly, some minor side effects can be expected. And I will recommend being prepared for some common ones like nausea, slight menstrual irregularities, some spotting. Some women will also have side effects such as breast tenderness, headache, dizziness, fatigue, But none of these are very prevalent and even when they happen, they do not generally last for more than 24 hours. ECPs are relatively much safer than many women might think. They are well tolerated by almost everybody. There's a reason why they are so easily available without a prescription. But even if you feel something is wrong, keep your doctor's number handy and give them a call to address your concerns. The next question is, does ECP prevent STIs after unprotected sex? Again, short answer, no. This is a big, big misconception. Let's see if we can try to understand this conceptually. Now, STIs happen when the germs from one person reach their partner via sexual activities and then infect them. And so even if you've taken an ECP or for that matter any oral contraceptive pill, it doesn't change the fact that the germ can transfer transfer from one partner's genitals to the other's genitals, right? You can learn all about STIs from my previous episode, episode number 2, 
which is entirely dedicated to sexually transmitted infections and diseases. I hope this clarifies a lot of your doubts when it comes to emergency contraceptive pills. Remember that there's also the option of going for emergency insertion of intrauterine devices or IUDs, IUCDs or copper tea. IUCDs or copper teas are also a very effective method of emergency contraception with a failure rate of around 0.1% only. Plus, there's the additional advantage that it can be inserted up to 5 days after intercourse. What's best is that for those looking for regular long-term contraception, the same IUCD will then provide additional protection for a number of years. All right. Now that you understand the options available to you within the first few days of having unprotected sex, let's also talk about abortion. Of course, in an ideal scenario, you would not want things to get to this, but sometimes for a variety of reasons it might happen. And so it's useful to know the basics beforehand. Here's what you need to know about the option of abortion. Medical termination of pregnancy is a better term for induced abortion of an unwanted pregnancy. It was legal to have it done up till the 20th week of gestation, which has now been amended to 24th week under certain circumstances since 2021. The second important amendment in these revised guidelines is that now an unmarried woman can also receive MTP services owing to the failure of contraception irrespective of their marital status. Both of these will go a long way in letting you and all women reclaim their autonomy. Now the first question you must be wondering about is how is an abortion exactly carried out? The thing is there are multiple methods both medical and surgical, depending on a number of factors. But before any of that, the doctor will first take a few steps. 1. She will confirm that you are seeking an abortion voluntarily. 2. She'll assess your gestational age, which is how far in you are into the pregnancy. 3. She will do your physical examination. Fourth, she'll ask you for a few tests to rule out STIs and some blood tests. And fifth, she'll ask you some general details about your health. Usually, if she finds all good with you and if you're up to nine weeks into the pregnancy, she will suggest a medical method. We'll not get into the details, but a WHO recommended regimen will typically be suggested. You will be asked to take the first tablet in front of the doctor so that she can observe you for any adverse effects. For example, if you have any pain or nausea, she can help you out. The next dose in the regimen will need to be taken after a gap of approximately 1.5 to 2 days. And you might be called back to the clinic for this again. You can take this also in front of the doctor. You might also be prescribed medications to help with any pain, nausea or vomiting at this point. 
after this you will be required to get checked for a follow up 14 days later this is when the doctor confirms that the abortion has taken place successfully and sends you back home to resume life as usual and that's it it's done beyond 9 weeks surgical methods may be preferred again remember depending on how far along you are into the pregnancy and a number of other factors the doctor will make this decision based on what's best for you on a case to case basis she will not just decide between medical or surgical but also which surgical method to go for the next question you must be thinking about is when can you abort the pregnancy in india mtp was allowed till 20 weeks of pregnancy which has now been extended to 24 weeks for certain circumstances these circumstances include survivors of rape survivors of incest vulnerable women such as those who are disabled who are minors etc you only need the medical opinion of one mtp provider for the termination of pregnancy up to 20 weeks and of two providers for the termination of pregnancy between 20 and 24 weeks of gestation also in some cases such as those where there is a substantial fetal abnormality expected the mtp can be performed even after this period but that's a conversation for another episode a lot of women ask does getting an abortion impact your ability to get pregnant again no under normal circumstances it does not A lot of women are also worried if the procedure hurts a lot and what are the do's and don'ts that she needs to be aware of. Now, for surgical methods, some pain and discomfort must be expected. And it should be understandable, right? Your body is made to go through some unnatural changes. In fact, whether it be through medical or surgical procedure, there will be some contractions and cramping. and so there might be some pain there are a few tips that i can give you which will maximize your comfort here are the do's be patient be body aware and be proactive follow your doctor's advice closely and take the pain medication that your doctor gives you do not ignore the warning signs your doctor will tell you what to watch out for signs like extreme pain excessive non-stop bleeding etc don't delay contacting your doctor if you sense something is wrong now you must be wondering that since non-stop excessive bleeding is a warning sign how long can you expect to bleed for normally the answer is that this is very variable again depending on a number of factors and it is also sometimes subjective beyond those factors on an average 1 to 2 weeks of moderate bleeding might happen by moderate bleeding i mean the kind of bleeding that you can expect during a period this should not be a cause of worry for the next 3 to 4 weeks there might also be some mild spotting again this can be considered normal your doctor will tell you at the time of consultation how much bleeding you can expect 
It is important that if you experience more than that, you let your doctor know immediately. She'll guide you accordingly. Now you must be wondering that if there is going to be so much bleeding, would you need to be on bed rest? Again, this can vary. Typically, for most women, they're able to resume light daily activity within a day or two of abortion. For strenuous activities, it is usually advisable to wait for a week or two to just be on the safer side. Now, an important question that a lot of women hesitate to ask, but that must be answered, is when can you engage in sexual activities after MTP? Technically, one can start engaging in sexual activities, including penetrative sex, as soon as you start feeling comfortable again after your abortion. Which I hope you understand will have to be based on your subjective experience. How long it might take will vary on a number of factors, such as what kind of procedure was done, medical or surgical, how much pain and cramping you are experiencing, whether there were any complications, and how ready you feel not just physically but also mentally and emotionally. A lot of women will often wait till the bleeding has completely subsided, which is fine. Sometimes your doctor might also suggest this. This is because in some cases sex can be a way to give passage to infections. And so avoiding this will make sure that you don't give passage to these infections. Please note that scientifically, there's not really any evidence to suggest that this needs to be done. Basically, you can engage as soon as you'd like, unless suggested otherwise by your doctor. Now, MTP carries with it a lot of legalities. And so it's important for you to know the answer to this question. Is MTP a confidential procedure? Do you have to give out your personal details? Well, yes, you have to give out your details, but these are supposed to be maintained privately and securely by the service provider. There is a confidentiality clause that applies to the healthcare professionals involved in MTP. Your name and your other particulars cannot be revealed to any other authorities except those authorized by law. So worry not. The next follow-up question is, is there any legal procedure involved in abortion? Well, there are definitely some legal aspects, but they've been put in place for you. These all apply to the doctors and healthcare delivery organizations to ensure you are safeguarded at all points. For you, what's most important to know is that your free, full, informed consent is the most important legal aspect of MTP. By this I mean that 1. It is criminal for someone else to force or cause you to terminate your pregnancy and hence your consent is necessary. Secondly, you should know that not only is your legal consent required for your MTP, it is also enough. As an adult woman, you do not need the consent of anybody else to consult a doctor for MTP or to get it done. If you want it, and if the doctor agrees that all legal and medical conditions are met, then you have full right to get it done. This decision is to be made by you 
and your doctor no husband father or parent is required to approve of it having said that i hope you will understand that you cannot just demand an mtp from the doctor you must meet some criteria from the mtp act such as the failure of contraception any risk to maternal or fetal health etc only then is the doctor allowed to proceed while of course the legal right to get an mtp remains with you i can also understand that for many of you it is also necessary to convince your partner and or your family this can be quite a tricky task please make sure that your family knows realizes and acknowledges that it is you the woman who has to pay the price of an unwanted pregnancy going to term it is your body life your physical mental and emotional faculties that are going to be taxed most by a child at all points when it comes to any of this your wishes about your body your sexual consent your decision to use or not use contraceptives and also your decision to end an unwanted pregnancy are all central necessary and self sufficient let me say it again your will is central necessary and self sufficient i hope today's episode helps you allay your fears and feel more confident about the solutions available to you in case required do come back for the next episode to learn more and do not hesitate to send in your questions and queries to pragati podcast at gmail.com